It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 329 of Locked On Raptors for, uh, you'll probably be hearing this on Monday, May 7th, but if we're recording on Sunday, May 6th, I'm your host Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You of course can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors where you can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. you got all 32 NFL teams covered as well. Uh, and a growing list of MLB shows if you're getting back into baseball as the uh, Raptors season winds to a unceremonious close. Uh, make sure you're checking out all those shows as well, finding the hosts and subscribing and rating and reviewing their stuff. And if you do that... Please do that with Locked On Raptors. Find it on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review, five-star rating. It's uh, it's very, very helpful and, and useful and uh, good for the ego and all that good stuff. Uh, so please, thank you in advance for taking the time to leave a rating. It's, uh, it's a lovely thing to do. Best way to support the show. You don't have to do anything aside from take five seconds to do it. All right, on today's show, it's going to be sad. It's going to be defeated. But hey... There will probably be some optimism as well. And to talk about the Raptors' Game 3 loss, 105-103, at the end of which LeBron James hit the most ridiculous game-winning shot I think I've ever seen in a game that I actually cared about. Uh, it is Russell Peddle from Number Fire. How's it going, man? Good, man. I don't know if I can sound as absolutely defeated as you, but I'll try. <laughs> it's uh, been a rough day or two for the brand, man. I'm Captain Optimism all the time. and uh, Hey, I'm right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. It's been it's taken a hit. Yeah, uh, it's uh, I went a little off brand last night. Started tweeting some things in my feelings. Uh, I, I did a Facebook Live for Rappers HQ in which I just took sad song requests for 12 minutes. That was fun, uh, or the opposite of fun, whatever you want to say. I just sat in the dark and listened to disturbed sound of silence. But um, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think with some time, I'm getting to be okay with it. I, I don't know. We can't really analyze the game all that much because it's kind of it kind of seems useless at this point. I mean, the Raptors played not the best in the first half. There was some weird sort of things that happened. There was the really dumb non-continuation call on Serge Ibaka, and then that was like a six-point swing. swing. Six-point swing that ended up being like a ten-point swing after you factor in just like the run that the Cavs went on there. Uh, they were up 15 going into the half. It seemed like it was pretty much done, and then the Raptors made a really nice comeback, and Kyle Lowry was amazing. 27 points on 9 of 13 shooting, 4 of 8 from deep. He was excellent. Uh, they got some nice minutes out of OG Ananobi, and Serge Ibaka even coming off the bench after getting benched in the starting five. Uh, he looked alive. He had four blocks. He he was he was pretty good. Uh, CJ Miles got hot. It was, uh, it was a really, I don't know, it seems weird for the fans of a 59-win team to be looking for moral victories, but considering how this series has gone, considering what it felt like at the you know the half of Game 3 or even after Game 2 was over, uh, and even after Game 1 when they played reasonably well and you know pissed it away at the end, uh, I was kind of heartened by the way the Raptors closed that game last night, even though 
the inevitable finish that we all knew was coming took place. Uh, I don't know. I, I are you with me, Russell, in that like overall last night's game is not going to go down as like a really depressing, sad memory. I mean, the, the final shot does, but I kind of am heartened, and it's a moral victory to me, and I'm actually okay with it that the Raptors made like a really nice comeback. They they showed some heart, they showed some fight that they didn't show in game two. Uh, but how are you feeling in the wake of what happened in, in game three? I think I will remember this one just because of the like the iconic shot, but like it, and that, just how it sums up the last three years of you know flaming out against LeBron. But yeah. I, in the moral victory side, like you're talking about, I think that you know genuinely this beats the last couple of years of just getting their asses handed to them. Yeah. Like it's different. Like game two, notwithstanding, like game one was a game that you know if one of those four shots at the end of regulation had gone down. The narrative changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if LeBron had not made that insanely ridiculous shot yesterday, and maybe they pulled something off in overtime, then we're ta- overtime. Then we're talking about one of the best wins in Raptors history if they managed to pull that off because of the comeback. So, mm-hmm. like, it's I get frustrated in these instances when narratives are written based on inches, right? Yeah. Like, so much could have gone differently in just little instances throughout these three games. So, again, second game notwithstanding, that was that was. That was a real uh, schlacking, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling okay. Like it's it's not like last year. Like we're not talking the last two years. The Cavs won those two series with an average margin of victory over 15 points per game. Yeah, and uh, you know, first game they lost by one, second game they or third game they lost by two. So obviously there are there is improvement, and some people would listen to that and be like, oh yeah, real improvement. You're still down 0-3, but um, it's real. It, it really is, and. At the end of the day, I, I, we'll get into this at length, I'm sure, but if the, the legacy of this iteration of the team is that they were really effing good and they just couldn't get past the, the brick wall that is LeBron James, like, listen, man, I, I, I watched through Michael Jordan's career and I saw a lot of hearts broken because of that. And, like, they weren't my fan bases, the fan base that I was part of necessarily, but I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that to, to take away from what what this team is and what they've accomplished in the last five years. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. It's a pretty noble way to go down if uh, LeBron James is going to do crazy shit like that to you. Um, Yeah, really. It's... Yeah, you mentioned how it's been closer, and I agree. And people will look at, oh, it's 3 nothing anyway. They haven't shown any growth, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're, you're an idiot if you don't think they've shown growth from last year. Um, absolutely. Like, you're just absolutely an idiot. Yes, the Cleveland Cavaliers are worse, but also LeBron is playing out of his mind, and so are every other Cavs player that matters. Like, 
Jeff Green is, is playing really well. Kyle Korver was 6 of 8 last night. Kevin Love is on fire um, and has kind of regained what makes him such a great second option to LeBron James in, in you know an ideal situation for this Cavs team. Like This is not the same Cavs team that took 7 games to beat the Pacers because everyone outside of LeBron is playing well now. And maybe the Raptors have something to do with that. Maybe their defense hasn't been quite as attentive or physical or whatever you want to call it. But like Kevin Love's going to get hot at some point. And Kyle Korver is going to hit shots. And George Hill has been a historically good playoff player like these guys were always bound for some sort of regression in this series um to the degree which has happened like yeah maybe it's a little too much and, and too much for the raptors to withstand but um like the, i don't think there's any denying that even the six game series in the conference finals like this feels like the raptors belong more than they did in that conference finals like i, I that, that was the year that the Cavs won the title they were clearly the best team um, and like the two wins, there was like the first one I think was very much just like a, the Cavs weren't showing up, and that was kind of a pity win. Game four I think was a little bit closer, and the Raptors hung tight and kind of looked like they belonged for you know a quarter when the Cavs were making that crazy run in the fourth quarter. But other than that, they just didn't look the part and didn't look like they belonged whatsoever. And you had like Bismack Biombo playing heavy minutes against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's not going to work. Um, last year, of course, a wash, and they just never looked like even close to being on the same playing field. This could easily be a 2-1 series, and it's like a, it's a crutch to hang on to, but it very easily could, and that matters if you're trying to sort of gauge and evaluate how far this team has come in comparison to, to the season's past. Like, I don't know, does it matter to you if they don't pull out a game in this series, they go down 4 nothing? Like, does that still feel like growth? Does it still feel like a successful season to you? Because coming into the year, like the whole... Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling on the way I do, but the whole thing was... You know, you got to show growth against the Cavs and maybe beat the Cavs. And, like, they have absolutely shown growth, even if it's a, even if it's a 4 nothing series. Does that cut it enough for you as someone who's looking to sort of evaluate this season as to whether or not it's a success or not? Yeah, I mean, I feel best about this series than I have about the other two, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. it's crushing because it's the third in a row, and it's, you know, we thought they really could beat them this year. But, you know, this is even better to me. This is better than the conference final season. Yeah. It's just, it's just a matter of where the where the games fell. I mean, like, if the seating had worked out differently, this could have been a conference finals, and maybe they could have, you know, won a game or two. And uh, I don't know. It's just so many things change on a, on a bounce or two in, in basketball, and, and I want to look at more of the overall picture. And when I look at this team and I look at, you know, yeah, they're down 0-3, but like I said, even better than the six-game series in that conference finals you were referring to. But, like, you look up and down the roster, and apart from Serge Ibaka, who's been a complete zero, like, most people have, like, I mean, Kyle Lowry's shooting 63% from the field and 50 from three in this series. Oh, he's been such a boss. It's amazing. The narrative, bye-bye. Yeah, and, you know, Jonas has been great. Uh, You've gotten a lot of great stuff from uh, OG on both ends. Like, the young guys, you know, I don't know. There's a lot positive to take away from the series, and I, I still see this season as a success. It was still the best season in, in franchise history, and I don't think this series is going to negate that. I mean, they get 59 wins, top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency, uh, best home record in the league, like second in margin of victory only to the Rockets, over, like over the Warriors. And I know it's all regular season stuff, and okay, do it in the playoffs, etc. But the play, the regular season matters. It's 82 it does, fucking games. It's it six months. It matters. Does. Like, it does. Stop it really pretending does. it doesn't matter. It does. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yeah. And I don't know. I just, I, I'm frustrated because, you know, we go into this series or and every year, I'm so used to people going like, oh, yeah, the Raptors choked the playoffs. And I'm like, not this year, not this year. And again, <laughs> this year, it was like, not this year, not this year. And everyone just 
I don't know. I don't know why everyone gets off so much on, on getting, like, saying bad things about the Raptors fan base. Like, I was, a guy was being a dick to me on Twitter the other day, and I was like, what is your problem? Like, what, what did what did we do? And they're like, I'm just sick of Raptors fans. I'm like, how can you be sick of Raptors fans? All we do is lose and get depressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we're Warriors or Cavs fans where we act like, like the league was handed to us like the Celtics or the Lakers. Yeah. Gee whiz. You're saying a person was a dick on Twitter? Wild. No, but I mean, I know. But Blown away. Listen, I, I'm getting old for this, Sean. Like, I, 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 I tend... <laughs> I tend to shy away from that. Like I log off nowadays when things get bad. But <laughs> it's probably every impossible. now and again. Every now and again, I just get salty and feel the need to engage. But well, yeah, anyway, yeah. The thing that gets me about the reaction to like them losing is the people who are like, "Oh man, you can't just like." I wrote this whole thing yesterday about LeBron and sort of the, like the just like he just is the egg that you the nut that you, they're not going to be able to crack, and that's fine. Uh-huh. And I understand why they're broken in the face of it. Like. It's entirely human, entirely relatable to me. And you, you still get people in the comments or, like, tweeting at you, like, oh, man, it's just an excuse. These excuses, they're supposed to be the better team, blah, blah, blah. Like, do people not know how good LeBron James is? Have people not watched him? Have people not <laughs> observed him for the last 15 seasons? Like, this is what he does, man. He breaks your soul. Even when it seems like the odds are stacked against him doing it, he goes out and he goes, whatever it was, 19 of 28 or 14 of 26. And it, it, it has one turnover or zero turnovers in a game. Like, he's... He is unbelievable, and this is, like, he is good enough to carry a ragtag group of very old dudes to probably the finals again, really. Like, the Celtics aren't beating the Cavs, are you kidding me? Um, yeah. Like, it's just, it, it is what it is, man, and I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's, like, a very logical and reasonable explanation. Oh, yeah, the best player of all time is in your way? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I don't think that's anything to, like, have shame over. I don't think that's, like, a... a a really like funny thing to make fun of a team for either like no. your team if it hasn't been in this predicament yet it probably will be at some point if they're in the eastern conference like the Celtics and Sixers like it's coming for you too yeah absolutely yeah. it is yeah that's the thing like i don't know um and everyone wants to to pick on the raptors and i just want to look back at the last 3 or 4 years and i'm like if you do not belong to the cavs or warriors fan base like what do you have to hang your hat on really yeah yeah, it's, uh, it's just yeah. I don't know. It's silly. There was uh, we're getting bogged down in the negative part. So I'm honestly feeling pretty good. Um, I think a lot of it probably stems from OG Ananobi brandishing his nuts for most of that game last night. Yeah. Holy God! 18 He's points, great. seven of 12, four seven from deep, including that three uh, where he showed the first emotion he's ever shown after he hit it to tie it. Um, I. Honestly, as all of this is happening, it's like, yeah, you know what? They're losing, but also OG Ananobi is going to be on the Raptors for like seven or eight more years at the at the least. Like, this is good. Dude's this like is awesome. 20, yeah. yeah, he's twenty. He's on. He's in his first year. He has surpassed every expectation. I think when he fell to the Raptors, um, I don't know. Talk to me about your OG feelings right now, because I, all I feel is optimism and excitement for like what is going to come with that dude. And it, I think Jacob Mack from Raptors HQ made an, an interesting point today. It's like kind of a bummer that. Like, OG's prime is not going to line up with Kyle and DeMar's. Maybe DeMar's a little bit, but not Kyle's. And, like, it seems like all the best players in Raptors history, they've kind of been, like, ships passing in the night and never really sort of overlapped. And OG, like, it's very early to say this, but it really feels like there's something special brewing there, man, considering how he played last night and how he's done in this series guarding LeBron. Um, You know, I think he's done a better job than anyone would have given him credit for or expected him to do before the series. Um, Yeah, where are you at with OG right now, man? It's exciting. Well, I mean... 
everyone they've thrown at him in the last three years, like they're you know looking for the LeBron stopper, whether it's PJ Tucker, Demary Carroll, or the guys they've looked at, like OG's done the best job. Really, Terrence Ross, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your boy T. Rod. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much there, and just the the onions last night with that shot to tie the game, and I don't know. I, I love the kid. I really do, and. That's the thing with this roster, and people look at it and they go, oh, "Okay, I got to blow it up, got to trade DeRozan, got to fire Casey, got to blah blah blah." I'm like, "How are you? How are you going to get better with this roster?" It's like, guys, like <laughs> the the only person on this. Okay, there are two people on this roster over thirty. Two. Yeah. Kyle and, and and Miles, and that's it. Yeah. And like DeRozan and Ibaka. I know Ibaka looks really washed right now, and. And whatever, but but like, even then, he was great last night, and I was like, oh, I can get on board with this. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And th- that's it. If he eventually becomes a a bench guy or whatever, then so be it. But like, they're basically in their prime ages, and then Jonas, like Powell, Siakam, Van Vliet, Pirtle, uh, Ananobi, these are all guys twenty five and under. Like, how do you get better? You keep the core together, and you get that continuity, mm-hmm. and like. I know this sounds silly, but like LeBron moves west this summer or something, then all of a sudden, okay, let's run it back and try it again. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers and Celtics are primed to be the kings of the East for the coming years, but also they, are, but they rely on they rely on yeah. players who get injured a lot, and Joel Embiid and Kyrie Irving, and we don't know what Gordon Hayward's going to be, and like the things change very quickly, and, like, and nothing's ever as it seems either. Yeah. Everyone went like we're talking about what the Raptors are going through here. Everyone went into this series where the you know the Celtics were down several players and. You know, the Sixers were the new kings of the East. It looked like they were sure bets to make the finals, and everyone was talking about all these things, blah, 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 blah. Now they're down 0-3 to, like, Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier and <laughs> Marcus Morris. It's like the things don't happen as much as, like, all the armchair coaches think they'll happen, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I don't know. You, you put yourself in a position to win. Like, that's the big thing here, and the Raptors did that. They, they played one hell of a season. They got the number one seed. They ran into a buzzsaw, so be it. Like, keep... Keep keep on keeping on. These your your younger guys are going to grow. Lowry and, and DeRozan are perennial all stars. This is I don't know. I've I've watched you know so much of this team for the entirety of its existence, and I've been through so many down years. And when people talk like anyone talks about blowing it up, I'm like, are you serious? Like, have you not seen what the Magic and the Kings are going through? And like even the Sixers, you look at that like that was five years of 
misery going through that. Yeah. Like, Do you not remember the year where Reggie Evans getting lots of rebounds was like the coolest thing of the season, and then he got hurt? I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. And like the quick rebuilds, okay, like we've seen the Celtics and the Rockets in recent years get quick rebuilds, but that that was like with a masterstroke move from a GM that really had a lot of lucky pieces falling into place. Like a, a rebuild is a long, arduous process. Like no one wants that. And at the end of the day, you know, you want to have a team winning 50 games and being in the position to win. Well, we've got that right now. Like, okay, you're not, you're, you know, okay, you got to draft a superstar like an Embiid or a Simmons, or you got to, you know, hope for the next LeBron. But it's not a clear path. It's not just you you trade everything away and you're going to get there. You could be 10 years spinning your wheels trying to get there. You want to uh, know? The, the, yeah. the better path right now is to stick this out. The East is still, you know, you still could be one of the best teams in the East next year just as easily as you were this year. And and remember, like this time last year, everyone thought the Raptors like, oh, yeah, they should totally blow it up. And then when they didn't, and they lost a couple key role players, everyone's like, oh, well, they're going to be crap. Like you saw people releasing their playoff projections and the Raptors not even included in them or like down at the bottom of the East. Like no one knows anything really. No, everyone's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially it. Uh, yeah. Um, you know how the those rebuilds happened for the Rockets and the Celtics, by the way? Uh, they maintained relevance and were, like, pretty good and had lo- lots of good players on their rosters and sort of hoarded assets. And the Raptors don't have the picks that those teams did. But, I mean, the Rockets used a pick that ended up being Steven Adams. It was a mid-first-round pick. And, like, Jeremy Lamb to get James Harden. Like, the there, there, are, there are... So there was a piece today written... I don't like slandering other writers' work, but, like, I think it deserves being talked about. There was a piece written today for The Ringer. Uh, Sil Bimmons shared it out because, of course, uh, and it was about the Raptors and the question of do the Raptors blow it up, which is the first thing that The Ringer likes to write about after every team loses um, and doesn't win a title. Uh, expect the should the process be blown up piece to come out tomorrow night around 11 o'clock. Um, and the, the piece... It does make good points. It says that, yeah, like this team is kind of cash-strapped right now. They don't have a lot of room for, for movement as it stands right now. But I also think it kind of misses the context that, like, th- they were never really supposed to have a lot that, that much maneuverability going into this summer or and next season, right? Like, this was a three-year window that they reestablished last year by signing Kyle and Serge to three-year deals. And it was like, all right, like we're gonna set, re- we're gonna hit reset here a little bit on the window. Uh, hopefully, these young guys can kind of develop, and they're just kind of gonna be our core role guys both this year and next year. And ideally, they're better next year after you know, hopefully, a couple of them hit this season. It turns out like all of them hit this season, and it became a much better team than anyone expected. Like those guys aren't going anywhere. Like search above, uh, sorry, Pascal Siakam, Delon Wright. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I mean, Van Vliet's a restricted free agent, but uh, like we, we'll see what happens there. OG Ananobi's still on a rookie deal. Jakob Pertl's on a rookie deal. Like These dudes still have room to grow and get better. And like because you don't have you know, maneuverability to go out and get a new addition doesn't mean those guys aren't just going to get better internally. Like that, That's probably exactly. going to happen. Guys usually get better from their first to second years or second to third years. That's kind of how it goes. Um, so I, that is a little bit sort of... Uh, missing the context a little bit to me, first of all. And, like, it's a really good team. And to go from being a 59-win team to blowing it up into, you know, what, become the magic? Like, is that what you want? And sort of try? And, like, maybe you maybe you luck out and get a high pick. Maybe you don't. And they're probably too good right now to get to the point where they're really in the conversation for a top two or three pick. 
Um, like, it's going to take a lot to strip down this roster. You get rid of Kyle DeMar, like, Fred in the bench mob probably wins, like, 38 games, and you're sitting there with the, the 12th pick. Like, you have enough good players on hand already who you're not going to want to get rid of in a rebuild situation that, like, you're probably already too far ahead of the curve for that. And, you know, and then the, the, the piece gets to all these uh, trade possibilities, and it just becomes, like, a trade machine, like, whack-a-mole. Like, oh, this team has this player. It could work, but it probably won't work. On to the next 500 words. And it's just, like, it just feels like it's grasping at straws a little bit. Like, there's no reason. It, the reason there's, there's a reason it took 2,500 words of, like, sort of going around the trade machine and, and, you know, all these different possibilities before coming to the last sort of realization, like, hey, oh, hey, maybe you don't blow it up. Maybe that's better than, than blowing it up. Uh, th- there's a reason for that is because there's not all that many good reasons and you have to sort of, you know, t- take yourself in all these different circles to come to a conclusion where it says the best uh, the best route forward for this team is to blow it up or get rid of, you know, the star players. Like, you get rid of Kyle Lowry, like, you're just not going to be as good anymore. That That's just kind of the thing. And the other thing, too, is, like, after next season, there's some more flexibility. Like, Kyle and Serge will be expiring contracts, and in this NBA, that is going to be a commodity again. It's not going to be like the last couple of seasons where there was lots of cap room coming in and expiring contracts weren't a thing. Like, that's going to be a thing you can get off of if you want to, or just keep it for yourself and save it for whatever you want to use your own cap space for. <laughs> Giannis, um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's that that, you know, you can... There will be they'll get their picks. They don't have any picks this season. They'll have picks starting again next year. Like there's maneuverability there. Like I don't think it's a bad thing to stand pat with a team that has a lot of good young players who can continue to grow into an even more potent you know surrounding cast than it's been in the past or that it was this season. Like there's reason to think it could be better. It's not linear. Guys will struggle. Maybe guys regress, but. Um, you know, I think OG, Pascal in particular are guys you can pencil in for some significant growth considering what they showed over the course of this season. And so you're looking at a team that's probably just as good as it was this year. Maybe Kyle's a little closer to, to his decline, but I, I still think, you know, the, the overall sort of strength of the roster will be very strong and very desirable and enviable from, you know, 25 other teams in the league. Um, so I, and that was always like 2018, 19 was always supposed to be the year you go for it anyway in this window. They just got too good too fast and moved the goalposts on themselves. And now everyone thinks, oh, they hit the LeBron thing again. You got to blow it up. But like, no, like this was never even supposed to happen. Yeah, I agree completely yeah. with all, with all that basically like, I, you made a good point too, with the contracts too. Like why do it now this year when they're not expiring contracts? Yeah. Like you're not getting... And- Sorry, in the piece it was like, oh, if you can get like a high lottery pick and something for DeMar DeRozan, do it. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> like, No, it's not. First round picks are incredibly valuable. This is a loaded top of the draft, according to all accounts. And there's no way a team that has a chance to take like Michael Porter Jr. is going to be like, all right, let's just get DeMar's $30 million contract on the books when he's 29. Like, that's just not how it works. It doesn't, that's not realistic. No. Yeah. And the, the thing I keep coming back to is like last year, um, you know, losing role players like Patterson, Tucker, etc. Um, how you know some people didn't think that the the young guys on the Raptors were going to be able to step up, like the Siakams and the Pirtles and the and the like. The fact that Van Bleet and Delon Wright are both able to spell Lowry as he as he you know you talked about is he going to hit his decline? Well, he mm-hmm. can you know succeed a few minutes to those guys and you know age more gracefully because of the presence of those dudes. So. It's one of those things where no one, no one was expecting those guys to be able to step up and be be this new bench mob type thing, and they totally were. So they're they're almost ahead of schedule. They're better than anyone expected this year. So 
when you look at the full 82 games and basically the whole year except for this last week has been perfectly fine and mm-hmm. awesome and great. Yeah. And There's been no rumblings of coaching changes or blowing it up until they go down 3 nothing in a series that they could have won two games. Exactly. And the best thing is, is I know that Masai Ujiri and the Raptors are not going to overreact to this. This was like this time last year when people were saying it, they were like, uh, they, even they started talking culture reset. They didn't like blow the team up and they're, they're smart enough not to do that. Like you look at their roster, it was the second youngest roster in the playoffs. They're not fools. They've done a, a masterful job of putting together this team over the last several years. And it's to be like the Spurs East, right? To have this sustainable thing where they can win 50 games a year. Mm-hmm. And they're achieving that. So, you know, losing to an all-time great a few times is not going to change that. So, I don't know. I think they can still go toe-to-toe. And I'm going to I'm gonna convince myself again next year. You know what? Yeah. Next year we're going to be in another series. If, if LeBron comes back to the Cavs, we're going to be back here next year. And I'm going to be like, this year they can do it. But eventually that's going to be right. Eventually they're going to, like, this team is going to get do something. Yeah. I still believe in that. Yeah, especially if he's on the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With Chris Stapps and no one else. Um, Although this year, this year's Cavs kind of felt like the Knicks up until like this series of all times. Yeah, I mean, but like it's easy to forget that Kevin Love's really good, and it was only a matter of time, I guess, before he figured it out. Um, yeah. Or took some steroids in the thumb. Who knows? Um, <laughs> like I think there's this compulsion to like throw the Raptors in the same sort of lump of teams as like the Wizards or the Blazers. And yeah, I think that's just people don't know any better. Yeah, I think that's just stupid because like the Wizards have nothing going forward in terms of youthful prospects they can sort of bring along uh, and sort of fill in the holes in the roster with. Like they're sitting there with Jason Smith, who's definitely going to pick up his option next season because no one else is going to pay Jason Smith five million dollars. They have Markeith oh. Morris, who is not good and is just sitting there. He's, I mean, he's only eight million bucks, but he's still Markeith Morris and he's a drag on your team. You know, there's all this talk like, oh, they're going to trade Marcin Gortat. Like, who's trading for Marcin Gortat? He's like 13 million bucks a year. He's got another year on his deal. Like, why? What team is doing that considering how he played this season? Um, and, and, like, they just don't have a lot in the way of infrastructure to suggest that they can sort of keep a sustainable thing going. Same with the Blazers. The Blazers went nuts in the summer where the Raptors didn't do anything except for sign Jared Selinger because I, I, I kind of feel like Masai, he was kind of hamstrung in, in a way, but also, like, why go nuts in a summer where. You know, it's probably going to be the high point of inflation and sort of contracts getting out of control. Um, and sorry, they're, my neighbors downstairs are having like a Sunday afternoon party and they're singing along to something. Oh, um, um, that's what that is. Yeah, sorry, like... about, <laughs> sorry to the listeners. Uh, but the Blazers have all these like just odious contracts on the books. They got Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless and Evan Turner. Like the Raptors don't have those contracts. Like Serge Ibaka's deal isn't amazing, but he still can be a useful player and, and like. Yes, he had a rough six-game stretch in the playoffs, but still, he, he provides something of use. Um, and, and, and especially considering, like, he pairs well with, like, Pascal Siakam. Like, that's an interesting pairing to go forward with and something you could probably sort of hope to see more next season. And then you have, like, you know, Norman Powell. That's probably not the best contract, but also I'm not writing off Norman Powell yet. He's had success well, in the NBA. Good. He had a rough season. Hopefully he gets out of his head. Hopefully GoDaddy stops the sponsorship and stops the curse. Um, and maybe he comes <laughs> back next season with, with some some sort of renewed, uh, you know, flavor or whatever. Maybe there's a, a move that happens in the summer where there's a roster, you know, a role on the team opened up for him. Who knows? Um, but I don't know. I, I, like, would you like you'd rather be the Raptors than those teams, right? I'd rather be the Raptors than like 25, 26 teams. <laughs> yeah, 
Like, teams that I would rather be than the Raptors right now. The Celtics, unfortunately, yeah, they're set up really well. The oh, Sixers, yeah, The Sixers are yeah. set up incredibly well. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm leaving out the Cavs of this conversation because I don't know how you... Uh, no, I mean, just, well, Cavs yeah. aren't in this conversation because yeah. of the uncertainty. Exactly. Like, I'd rather be the Raptors than the Cavs right now because who knows what's going to happen this summer. Yeah, uh, the Pacers, that's an interesting one because they have a lot of cap space this summer and could do something, but also it's Indiana, so yeah, what are it's you Indiana, doing they it? won't get anyone. Yeah, so, and like, like, I, Oladipo's I, great, but Miles Turner's yeah. kind of stagnating a little bit. Like, who knows? Maybe this is the peak of what that team can be. Uh, the Heat are locked into uh, 40 wins for the next, you know, seven years with all those contracts they have. The Bucks are interesting, but they also have a ton of dead money. And, and you know, having Giannis is obviously a, a big head start on everybody. Uh, I might rather be the Bucks just because of Giannis. But, like, they, it's not as easy as, like, a, you know, it's not an obvious black and white thing. Uh, the Pistons are a disaster. The Hornets are a disaster. The Knicks are a disaster. The Nets, the Bulls, the Magic, the Hawks. Like, all those teams are crap. Uh, the Rockets, yeah, they're in a good spot. The Warriors, they'd be okay to be. Um, but, like, Blazers, <laughs> Blazers, Thunder, Spurs, even the For Wolves. For me, it's really just the Rockets, um, Warriors, the Celtics, Jazz. The and, Jazz are in an all right spot. Yeah, Celtics and uh, Sixers and maybe the Jazz. Yeah, but I that, mean, like that's that's the extent of it. The Pelicans really have is. Anthony Davis. Like any of these transcendent stars. These players, like like yeah. the, the Pelicans have Anthony Davis. The uh, Bucks have Giannis. But like the Raptors have a team where this year, you know they were trotting out a 12-man rotation that I, I liked all 12 guys for what they brought. Yeah. Like, I wasn't expecting, you know, the 10th, 11th, 12th guy on the, on the team to be, like, a starter-quality player. Like, if you're, you know, we can be down on Norm Powell, but as a 10th or 11th guy, so be it. Like, yeah, I like a lot of these dudes for what they bring. And, you know, I look at the Bucks or I look at the, at, 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 uh, the Pelicans and stuff like that. There's a lot of dead spots on those rosters. Yeah, those so guys do a lot if, to paper if, those over, but if point you don't, yeah, exactly. But if yeah. you don't have a transcendent player like a an Anthony Davis or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, like having two really good, solid perennial all stars and a lot of really good players, like solid depth, like I was very happy following this team this year. Yeah, yeah, it was a really enjoyable team, man. It was a fun ass season that was kind of unexpected and young guys it was the doing most fun, things. The is most fun. fun I've had. Yeah. The most fun I've had in 24 years of following this team, honest to God. Yeah, it was up there, I think probably 2013-14, the year where they turned it around inexplicably, was probably right up there, but <laughs> yeah, like, this felt right. more real, right? Like, this was yeah. this was unexpected with also just, like, just extreme eliteness across the entire season, which that Raptors team didn't have in 2014. We've gone long enough, though. I think we can probably wrap it there. Um, yeah. This so. was fun, man. I actually feel pretty good now. I feel good too. Yeah, uh, you know, good we are therapy. the eternal optimist, right? We are the Raptors opti- op- yeah. optimism crew. So I probably should have gotten a sad boy on to counteract my uh, optimism. Although I was pretty sad last night. I, I think you know. Yeah, well, you think we, if, we you can think be through sad it? but optimistic, right? Like I'm yeah. sad in the moment. Like I was, I've been crushed these last three games, but yeah. ultimately this is my team, and I'm happy that with how they're constructed and and the way they look going forward. Like I'll get over the. These losses pretty easily because, like I said, I've you know I watched all of Jordan's career, I've watched all of LeBron's career. I know what it's like to watch a transcendent player just destroy the hearts of fan bases, and we're just unfortunately caught up in it. But that yeah. doesn't change the fact that this has been a really fun time to be a Raptors fan. Would rather be the team getting the heart ripped out by the all-time great player than the team that never even sniffs it. We could be the Magic. Yep. Uh, you could always be. <laughs> 
the magic. Uh, Russell, man, thank you so much for coming on. Anything people should be checking out from you? Uh, always stuff on numberfire.com. Awesome. Anything in particular that people should look for right now? Um, I'm going to update the title odds tomorrow morning. Um, what will the Raptors odds be? <laughs> funny enough, <laughs> funny enough, the number fire uh, algorithm has been really, really in love with the Raptors all year. You know, the team that's both good on the offensive and defensive end in terms of efficiency. Like our metrics are very highly uh, contingent on efficiency, and they they've always had the you know we always like to promote our numbers as being you know stripped of the bias and the history of of previous years, and it really the Raptors were like a, a top tier uh, uh, in terms of title odds all year round right up there with the Rockets and and like neck and neck with the Warriors and so anyway I'm sure now we'll get we'll get made fun of for that a bit but anyway <laughs> so what so what you're saying is the uh, number fire has predicted the Raptors to come back from down 3-0 and beat the Cavaliers that's well cool. now we're not quite going that far I'm sure that <laughs> tomorrow they're going to be uh, much much lower but uh, yeah and I'll we'll compare that to Vegas's odds and uh, yeah stuff like that but yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be a weird one a lot has turned on its head yep uh topsy-turvy second round aside from well, the especially Warriors, like a lot of people like you know everything was and we were big on the raptors and the sixers coming into this round yeah but yeah aside and, from and uh, the cab we were down in the Cavs all year and now here we are <laughs> yeah aside from the the warriors and lebron continuing their inevitability and uh soul-crushing Everything has been kind of weird in this round. Um, this Good podcast time. was not weird. Russell, thank you so much for coming on, man. We'll hopefully do it again soon. We have to have you on the trivia episode soon. Once the season's over, I'm going to get back into finishing Excellent. those up. You're in the Elite Eight, I think. So, uh, I am. We'll get you going on there. Uh, Thanks, Yeah, until next time, everybody, stay tuned uh, for the next episode, probably on uh, Tuesday at some point after game uh, four. Maybe it's a funeral. We'll see. Uh, until then, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. It's a very helpful, and I appreciate anyone who does it. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.